Welcome to Charmaine Wilson, the Australian Medium Podcast. Good morning. Welcome to my podcast where we are currently reading my first book, Spirit Whispers. And we are now up to chapter 12 and that is titled, How Can I Help? Now, before I start this chapter, the following book I'm about to talk about, everybody should read. Okay. How Can I Help? Chapter 12. In November 2004, I read a book by Wayne Dyer called There is a Spiritual Solution to Every Problem. This book was one of the most inspiring books I have ever read in my life and for the first time, everything in my life made complete sense. In one of the chapters, Dyer writes that if you really want to make a difference in this world, you should ask the universe one question, how can I help? After deep thought in that chapter, I did just that, then picked up my diary. What was bothering me was the fact that people needed so much more than just a reading. And I was not keen on trying to connect people over and over again. Not only did it not seem to work very well, but it was apparent to me that one reading per spirit was all anyone really ever needed. I mean, when life on this plane is over, there is no more information they can give you other than their name, how they died, what they were like and other personal readings. When I had done multiple readings, I felt in good conscience. I felt in good conscious charge for what was, I couldn't in good consciousness charge for what I felt was essentially the same information. So I picked up the diary with these thoughts in my mind and asked, how can I help? A card fell out of the diary. As I picked it up, I saw that it belonged to a man called Bruce. My mind went back to that bleak August day when him and his wife had entered my office. My car was blown with smoke, but it seemed I was meant to get there. Despite the fact that I had blown the head in the motor, I arrived on time. As I drove past my office to park, I noticed Bruce and Sharon waiting patiently at the bus stop across the road. I kept getting signs of a young child being around and the number 613 was in my mind. In fact, I had woken up precisely at that time. Shortly afterwards, I met Bruce's young son, Timmy, who had been tragically killed in an accident while Bruce was driving. With their permission, their story appears below. Oh, the number 613? Well, Timmy was a dozer lover, bulldozer lover, and his favourite bulldozer was a 613. I will let Sharon recount the tale of her her story here. Tim's story. It happened on the 21st of March, 2004. In a split second, he was gone. We would never see him again, never be able to hear his voice, see his smile to watch him play outside. Our lives were changed and Tim's life was taken from him. When an irresponsible 25-year-old woman ran into our vehicle, Tim was gone. Why? Why did it have to be Tim? Why couldn't it be one of us? Bruce and I would have gladly given our lives so that Tim could still be here. He was only eight years old. He had so much to live for. We had searched for an answer for 11 months. We have read every book we could get our hands on. We have learned a lot, but we still don't have the answer we are looking for. We were put in touch with Charmaine Wilson, a psychic medium. We didn't know what to expect, but anything was worth a trial. We got to meet Charmaine, not having told her why we're there or who for. We sit down, she eases us a bit and starts to piece together while we're there. Charmaine tells us, he's here, a child. A big kid, she tells us, we didn't get to say goodbye. He passes over quickly. This is true, it happened so quickly. We're driving along and a split second Tim was gone. 
Charmaine tells us that he's rocking the baby for some reason. She said, is he eight or nine? Tim was eight years old when we lost him. She asked about the letter M. Is his name Mitt? Bruce used to call Tim Mitt and he loved it. It was special. She tells us this is an accident, a car accident. Tells us not to blame ourselves. Bruce has blamed himself since it happened. He thought he didn't do enough to stop it from happening. In reality, there was nothing more he could have done. He'd got as far off the road as possible, but the other car just kept on coming until it hit us and rolled our vehicle over. Charmaine tells us there's not much road. She sees a lot more dirt. She feels it very quick. Do you spin, she asked. Tim tells her we were in a ute and we were thrown from it. Tim tells her this so we know it's true. It's Tim. He wants us to stop blaming ourselves. Charmaine has some trouble understanding what Tim is telling her. Why, you ask? Because he has a mouthful of pink hubba bubba bubble gum. We used to buy it from him. It was his favourite. Charmaine takes a sip of a Diet Coke and Tim kindly tells her that he drinks Coke, but he drinks the real Coke, not that diet stuff. This is true. He was allowed to have a can of Coke here and there. She tells us about Tim, what he looked like, a lot of things that she wouldn't know. She doesn't know us and she didn't know Tim. How could she know any of this? It must be true. Tim must be telling her all of this. He keeps rocking the baby. Charmaine doesn't understand it. Why? It's because I'm pregnant. We're expecting a baby. February 2005. Tim is trying to tell her this. I know we are desperate to make contact with Tim, but there is nothing Charmaine tells us about him that isn't true. It's like a weight off our shoulders just to know that he is all right. In actual fact, he seems to be doing better with all this than we are. He, we have had three readings with Charmaine since we lost Tim, and each visit seems to get a little easier. The last two, Tim was there waiting for us to arrive. It seems everything you say or think, Tim knows about. He also knows that the baby is born. True again, Tim tells us that Billy Tim will be born on the 2nd of the 2nd of 05. He likes Billy's name. His second name is in honour of Tim. We will see when Billy is born if Tim was right. It's so sad that he's excited about a baby brother and won't be here to have contact with him. There's no happiness or joy to be found in death, especially the tragic taking of a child. But we can be grateful for maintaining contact with Tim through Charmaine. And also Tim can keep in contact with us. To know he is okay makes it a little easier and to deal with. Don't get me wrong, it's been a long, hard road with more bad days than good ones. The day we lost him, our heart broken too. The pain has been unbearable. We'll feel we'll never get over this. Losing someone you love so much for a while, you can see no reason to go on. The new baby is a blessing in disguise, a miracle in fact. We feel that Tim had done some smooth talking with God for this baby to be given to us. Well, Tim told Charmaine that Billy would be born on the 2nd of the 2nd 05. We went to hospital on the 2nd of the 2nd 05 and Billy was born on the 3rd of the 2nd 05. Do you believe in angels? We do. We now believe that Tim will be like an angel to Billy, the little brother that he never got to meet. We believe that he will be there watching over Billy always. We still have not mended our hearts. We probably never will, but at least we are luckier than some. We have a sort of true contact with Tim through Charmaine. She is truly gifted. It is all we have left, the memories we hold in our hearts. Tim was a very special boy. He was sadly missed and always will be. But we'd like to say thank you to Charmaine for sharing us with her special gift. Without you, Charmaine, I don't think we'd ever got through this. In our hearts and forever, Tim. That thank you card falling out of my diary made me think and hard what were people looking for what did they need how could I help the number 613 my own special numbers was circling around in my head my own journey since my da- daughter's death and the trials and the heartaches I endured were foremost in my mind 
My training as a medium, the ever-present question by many clients, why did they die, swelled around in my mind too. I realised I needed to teach others how to connect and most importantly, how to understand the internal journey of spirit. It was not enough to prove they were in spirit and still around. I needed to teach my clients why and how to understand this for themselves. They need to communicate on their own without the feeling or need to spend money on psychics. As with, with a lot of my ideas in this life, this one was born within such intensity from the beginning. As soon as the idea came to me, suggestions for a possible course began to tumble from the universe at such a speed I had to write down everything quickly. Yes, I would teach my clients to recognise and connect on their own. It made perfect speech sense. Within hours, I had a venue booked and the course outline completed. It was in this way that my first seminar, Spirit Talk, was born. What was really great was that I was able to have the venue for free by asking for a donation from participants. I could donate the money to the community centre that worked to help the local kids to understand their lives. It was wonderful. While helping clients, I could help some kids. I loved it and so did the centre owner, Phil. He was right behind me on this one and was keen to get it off the ground. It was arranged that we start the first six-week block in only two weeks' time. So a six-week block would be completed by Christmas. As usual, the local paper got behind me and ran a story which yielded about 20 clients for the first call. course. I enlisted the help of my friend Val and off we went, just a skeleton of what we hoped to achieve. The first sem- seminar was quite successful. All 20 people claimed to get something out of it. I have since seen some of my students from that first course and they are different people. A couple of ladies came back and did the course again when it was held two more times. They said they just enjoy learning and reinforcing their beliefs. Each course was like a learning experience. I was able to glean a little more from each session and prove the previous one. It was so important for people to understand the whole life journey and the more questions I asked my guides, the more I received answers. I would dream the answers and then I would think about the dream. It was amazing the way that the answers came. I'd be thinking of a question, open a book and there was the answer. My job was developing into so much more than merely giving validation of the afterlife. It included education, communication. So the seminar I now call Spirit Talk was up and running. I mean, why not try and teach others how to be aware, how to live in the moment and receive validation from spirit without the expense of a psychic? As 2004 drew to a close, I realised how far my work had come and I knew the year ahead was about to open with a bang. The year 2004 was one I shall surely remember for a long time. Sadly, it was also the year that would go down history with the the dreadful Christmas tsunami. 26th of December 2004 is a date will stay in many minds forever. The disaster of a gigantic proportion was the cause of terrible grief. I wondered as I watched the shocking images on television, how could anyone help those poor people who had survived? As with September 11th terrorist attacks, I had compassion for those who lost their lives. But it was the survivors and their grief that melted my heart. Not only had many of them lost their entire families, but their whole lives were swept out to sea. In a blink of an eye, people lost families, friends, homes, schools, jobs, places of worship, hospitals, food, water, memories, everything. That's what I call rock bottom. In some areas, bodies were just carpeting the the ground. In others, they had been carried out to sea forever. It shook me deeply to feel the sea of grief greater than the great wave that had come from nowhere and destroyed so many lives. The tsunami touched on one of my personal fears. I had long ago sworn off the sand and waves, all because of a dream I had had when I was a child. It seemed so real. It was like a tidal wave and it scared me because of the reality of it. I was running and running but knew it was useless. I could see people being thrown up in the foam and it was all seemed so terrifying that I woke up in cold sweat. 
to this day, and this is says 32 years ago, it's a bit more than that, 52 years ago, later, I have never forgotten the fear I felt and have only been in the surf on a two occasions. Once when I was dragged in and another time when I tried to body surf, tried and failed miserably, I might add. I only ever go as far as my ankles in the water and this is no word of a lie. The tsunami made me think that I must have lived through that this fear in one of my lives. In the first week of December, I was at Balna and could not shake the fear of flooding. I kept hoping the floods would hold off until I got home. It had been raining a fair bit and although the local papers had pleaded calm, I was very anxious as the waters rose visibly around us. Every part of me wanted to be safe. The tsunami brought all of these fears to the surface. I imagined the terrible fear as the, gi- as the giant wave just kept coming and coming. I couldn't stop ri- crying and wished I could do more to help. I knew nothing in this world could make me go anywhere near, near the area because of the fear I held so deep in my soul. I was frustrated I had no money. If I were rich, I could dig very deep and make a difference in a material way. What difference would my tiny, do- di- tiny donation be able to make? It was just a drop in the ocean. With each new report on television, I felt so powerless to help. I wanted to help to be able to soothe even one broken heart just a little. I did what I could and I prayed for the survivors. I lit candles and sent as much healing and light as possible to the grieving. Whether it helped anyone or not, I'll never know, but it certainly helped me. Australians donated a reckoned amount, um, amount of money on crisis funds and supplies to the victims of the tsunami. The figures reminded me that every little bit helps no matter how small. We don't need to be rich to make a difference in times of disaster. Sometimes it's easy to forget if everyone just gives a dollar of loose change, it might add up to millions of dollars available for those in need. When such tragedies happen, we can always ask ourselves, how can I help? I will never forget the dreadful scenes that played daily on television that Christmas, nor will I forget the grief for those who had lost so many and so much. I only hope that time is healing them as it should. Okay, well, that is the end of chapter 12 and I will leave it there for today I hope that um, you're enjoying this story and as I said we've only got three two more two more we've got chapter 13 14 and 15 to go so have a great day everybody and I will be back very soon bye bye She talks to angles. Oops, angels. (laughs) You'll come back now.